people shouldn't be afraid to fail. This is Sue Freck, and I'm your host of the Happy Marketer Connection podcast, brought to you by Vesta. Each week, along with my guests, other fellow passionate marketers and business owners, we will explore engaging and inventive marketing strategies and toast brands making impactful consumer connections. Please kick back, relax, and enjoy our happy half hour of marketing inspiration and positivity and come away a happier and smarter marketer. So the theme for this week should have been resilience. But this week's guest has one of the tightest-knit families that I've seen in the work environment, and therefore I've coined the week's theme, Heritage. Today, we'll hear from Alan Sutton, Vice President of Global Sales and Operations of Jay at Play. He has the joy of not only working with his family, but he also has the joy of being in the toy business. As he notes, and you'll hear from him, we all have an inner child, and fortunately, he gets to bring that out in his day-to-day work. So please join me in welcoming Alan Sutton. So welcome to another episode of the Happy Marketer Connection. Today's theme is heritage, not something you hear very often when we talk about marketing. When it comes to business heritage, it's really about traditions, products, or ideas being passed on from one generation to the next. One of the most complicated parts of a business passing from that one generation to the next is really family. But today, you'll actually hear from Alan and how much he truly enjoys working with and respects his family. His family-run business and his partners are his sister and his father. He will share how in his business, one plus one actually equals five. So can you tell me a little bit about Jay at Play and and what you do at at this company? Well, it's not my company. (laughs) I'm partners with uh, my sister and my father, and I don't do anything without them. We are completely together on pretty much everything. I mean, we all wear different hats and we're all different, but we're similar in, in thinking. I'm overseeing kind of the sales side of the business and operations and some of the legal stuff. And uh, my sister, Stephanie, oversees the product development and marketing and creative. And uh, my father's kind of the bridge and kind of oversees us. Kind of. <laughs> um, so I that answers the question. It does. So if someone were to say, what is Jay at play? What do you guys do? We attempt to, in, in, in as best a way as possible, put smile on children's faces. Um, we try to focus on what kids want, and, and this business industry, et cetera, moves extremely fast. I mean, it's not just a regular fashion business. It's a fashion business that caters towards children. And Lord knows we all have inner child inside of ourselves, but... Uh, to know what a child is going to want and, and, and be interested in is a, is a very uh, interesting challenge. So I hadn't heard of it talked about as a fashion, but that does make so much sense. There are trends. How do you stay ahead of those? Does Jay Play lead those trends? Like what's, what's it look like when you look at your roadmap for products? You know, historically, you know, I'm 46, when I first was in the business, oh boy, 27 years ago, part-time, even before then, um, the business has changed a lot. I mean, in the mid or early 90s, there were dozens and dozens and dozens more retail change. Right. There wasn't social media. There wasn't an internet. There wasn't, mobile phones were the size of bricks. If you, if you, were, if you can have one and, or they were attached to your car, you couldn't even take them out of the car. There was no such thing as text messaging or YouTube. 
the world has completely changed. Back then there was, I think, 10 channels of television plus cable TV. Now there's four or 500 channels of TV and no one watches it. You can't even find something good on TV. <laughs> Things have changed. So put it to you this way, trends are hard to find. You know, we don't actively look for trends, to be quite honest. We work with uh, the inventor community. We're brought many, many concepts from third party inventors that are very creative. And we take pride in our relationships with our inventors. Um, and they bring us things. And a lot of it is, it's a mixture between gut instinct, market knowledge, um, demographic understanding, and relationships with our retail customers. And to be honest, there's not that many retailers left. Um, so if the big guys aren't interested in something, it's really not something you're going to do. It's unfortunate that it's, the decisions are in so small a framework of decision makers, but that's kind of what's transpired um, over the years. And, and you know what? It's, it's similar in, in every country. Yeah. You know, very That's few interesting. Retail customers, it's you've had a almost a consolidation of retailers, a consolidation of manufacturers, a consolidation of uh, intellectual property owners. You know, Disney's bought Marvel and all the and Pixar and Warner Brothers has made acquisitions. So it's really just continuing to consolidate. Definitely interesting out there. But <laughs> when you're looking for trends, you know, sometimes they find you. Sometimes the inventor finds you. Sometimes it's just a meeting with a retail buyer where the buyer says, I need, I'd like for you to work on something like this and let's see if it works because the relationship and the history, they'll say, Hey, we'll give you a chance because you guys are competent in manufacturing and, 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 and costing things and providing the service of shipping. So there's that aspect of making things that people request you make for them. And then there's the things where, you know, sometimes we'll find a trend in a foreign market that's working and modifying it to bring it to, to America. But, uh, you know, Jay at Play does business in 75 plus countries around the world. Um, truly global. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, but it's really interesting times right now. So I, <laughs> Well, but when I say that, we're, we are a very small company in our footprint. We don't have many employees. Um, we're very lean and we try to provide a competence in the areas of service, uh, marketing, creative and, and logistics and shipping and production. Those are the things we focus on. Uh, and your strengths are, and that's your, and that's you, your father and, and your sister, and then your team there sister, as well. And we've got a small footprint in Asia. And I say small, it's, it's small. We, we pride ourselves on being small. In effect, it's been great because we haven't laid off anybody throughout this. Amazing. It's amazing. Uh, because I think we're small. I mean, yeah. we, you we need everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, we not a lot of fat on the company. Throughout this process, things seized up. A lot of customers stopped paying us. We were frozen like everybody else, but it, it, it's easier and more manageable when you're smaller. You have issues sometimes with scaling to fight larger competition, but we kind of not interested in that war of attrition. We focus on creating where the bigger toy companies are, they plan three, four, five years out. We can, we can create something and have it on the shelf within four to six months. That's incredible. So that nimbleness comes from your size and expertise and not a lot of red tape. You guys can make the decisions right then and there. That's incredible. So talk about how Jay at Play got started. What's the beginning look like? Well, well Jay at Play started in um, late 2004 by uh, my father and some relatives. Um, our family's been in the business since 1945. 
That's wild. Um, my sister, uh, who's my main partner, and I uh, joined our father in uh, September of 2016. So more and, recently, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's been interesting, you know, in terms of working together as a family. It's definitely challenging at times, but, you know, it, it's, it's fruitful because it, there's certain things you would never change. You know, you get past, like, it is the old sayings, never mix business with family or friends and things like And to a certain extent, it's very true. It does require uh, patience because you start to, you, you do understand through the process that uh, every, as, long, as long as you understand that everybody has the same good intention and the business is what comes first, not the individual personality or what they're trying to achieve as an individual, that it's for the business. And you can get over those, what I would say, uh, normal family misunderstandings of the, the, the way someone comes across with a phrase or a saying or something like that. Yeah. Is it a voting on decision making, like two against one? Or is it just uh, my argument is stronger, so both of you need to listen to me and I'm the one? <laughs> no, 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 we joke about that all the time. <laughs> you know, like, do we, let's, let's call a vote. And then, but I don't think it's ever even gotten to that. It's funny. We laugh about it. But there's, there's so many times. I will say this. We kind of all have similar instincts. Oh, so that's interesting. Because usually just, siblings are opposite. But yeah. Well, my sister and I are very different in many ways. But we have the same core values in terms of looking at things. If we're looking at in the best interest of the company first, and, and my sister's highly intelligent. She makes incredible. Yeah, your sister's incredible. I mean, she's an incredible marketer. Yeah. She's probably better off talking to her than me. But she's, <laughs> She'll be next on my list. <laughs> yeah, she, she's, uh, she's, she's got an amazing instinct and talent and creative ability um, that, you know, it's kind of weird because for, you know, for I think it was 11 years, I had my own business on my oh, wow. own. Wow. Wow. Okay. For the employees and you know, 2008 hit me in the chest, like it did a lot of other people. And then it was hard to reconstitute for several years, you know, fought for five, six years on my own, worked very hard. But the world's changed a lot since the financial crisis of 08. And then it's also changed again dramatically in the last six, seven months. But, you know, if you can, if one can appreciate the perspective and unique point of view of the other person that is across the room, coming at the same issue with a different perspective, you kind of can add value to each other and really have like a one plus one equals five effect on, in, on a business. And, and you know, human nature is tough sometimes to get through, but it's really not. And I have to tell you, my sister, Stephanie, I learn from her every single day. She's, uh, she's very, very instinctively intelligent and she's uh, got very different life experiences than me. In, in business, but the complement of what we do together is, uh, it's pretty amazing. And then there's my father. I was saying, so and now let's talk about your father, who I adore. Um, and, and not just because I'm talking to his son, but. No, my, look, my, yeah. my, my father and sister, we have an office in Florida. I work out of New Jersey. I live in New Jersey. So I don't, they're, they're two dimensional people for the last six months. I haven't seen them um, other than on, a, uh, on an app or a, a phone or whatever. Uh, my eight, my nine month old daughter thinks her entire extended family is two dimensional and not. <laughs> but you know, my father is he's the straw that stirs the drink at JFL. Um, he 
He's got an unbelievable creative sense. He's an incredible salesperson. He's a, an incredibly compassionate, just a wonderful human being, and he's very funny. He is very funny. <laughs> and, and it, it's, it's weird because my sister and I have different attributes from, from my father oh, that's that awesome. we're, we're strong at, and yeah. it, we actually complement each other. I, I'm not going to say that together we're my father. <laughs> I don't mean it like that, but you can kind of see where she where it might comes be, from. She might be a little bit more like my father in this regard, and I might be a little bit more like him in that regard. But coming together, it's really, if you would have told me 15 years ago that I'd be in business with my father or my sister, I would have said, okay, there's a bridge in New York. I could sell you and I'll <laughs> pay you $50 million. I never would have thought. You really? Know. Okay, yeah, so let's talk about that, Alan. Like, I, like you, you're successful. Your father is very successful, man. Your sister's very successful. I, you didn't jump on board. So talk about that. Yeah. How did they convince you? I, I think that, you know, whether it was my sister's, you know, she, she raised a beautiful family and, you know, she was doing amazing things and, and amazing challenges in one world. And I was an entrepreneur on my own and another, um, never competitive with my family, but in, also in the toy business. So I started with my father years and years ago, but I need to be on my own. I think everybody needs that walk in the wilderness um, to get their own experiences and to get, I would say, to, to live on the pain that life feeds you. <laughs> Not be coddled by people's families and-, and Well, I think, I think there's a lot to that, Sue. I think that people, especially today, I mean, there's a lack of resilience that's being taught to children today. You know, I remember when my grandfather was alive, he used to tell us that uh, life is really hard. You can make it harder with the wrong choices. And today, resilience isn't taught. It's almost looked at as something that's, uh, I wouldn't say it's bad mouth, but I think a lot of, it's interesting too, because a lot of people want to protect their children from that kind of, strain yeah but you know i think and then isn't beings, setting them out to be able to go out into the real world yes and i but I, and i also think you know from my own life experience and you know dealing with some of the suffering of 2008 and having to lay off employees which is the most painful thing in the world back then um yeah, yeah. and dealing with financial pain and yeah and people in business that i knew had so much pain and everywhere I remember the story, you know, with the, the bank and our bank pulled our line of credit because everybody's line. I mean, the banks were in trouble. Yeah. And we had notes to pay and vendors yeah. to pay. And it, it, so you get, I think, res, I think you develop resilience only by failing. And I think today, I, love that. Yeah. I, think, I think today, I think people need, and I think even more so, people really should uh, look towards really focusing on being grateful what they still have and being appreciative for what they still have. Cause I can't say, Oh, it's so easy for me to say, um, you know, we're okay. We're doing this, but it's, there's a lot of pain out there with 45 million people losing their job and countless bankruptcies every day and people not being paid. We're still owed lots of money um, from lots of places, which it would be not fair of me to say who those people are, but <laughs> But everyone's going through it, right, right. Yes, so I think that to take the lessons of the pain of making the mistakes 
and not knowing. I mean, it, life is 2020 vision when you look backwards. You know, it's really easy. Hindsight is 2020. Going forward is where, you know, it's very hard. You don't, you can't connect the dots going forward or backwards. So I think people shouldn't be afraid to fail. It's easy to say, but I think if, if you push the boundaries of, and the limits of potential thought and reason, and you're, you're willing to fight for, you gotta, if you're willing to fight for something, I think that you want better tomorrow, you're not going to be able to do that by just doing what the average person does today. Right, right. And it's not about overcompensating. It's really about being unafraid. Um, you know, so when, when we got back from Hong Kong on, in January 13, I remember I was exhausted and we knew about the virus when I, when I landed in Hong Kong on January 2nd, because everyone in Hong Kong was wearing masks. And I usually only the sick people wear masks because they're being polite to their associates. They learned that from SARS. And I asked, what's going on? Why is everyone wearing a mask when I landed in the airport? Well, there's a mysterious illness in China and people are dying. And the U.S. news media didn't even pick that up for, I think, three or four weeks no, later. You, you were the reason I first found out about it, literally. Yeah, and our factories were slowing down production for Chinese New Year and the mass migration of people all over China. And then you're hearing all these weird stories. What's going on? Oh, we're going to have to delay the opening of our factory two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks. Okay, we had orders we were supposed to ship. We have cancellations. And then, so we got destroyed on the supply side and then all the world's customers got infected. Then the demand destruction happened. So, hey, if you can get through these times with some sense of sanity, which is the hardest part, I think, because life is completely changed for all of us, for the meantime, which I think we'll get through this. I think we will. I think there will be a vaccine. I think we will get through this. If you think otherwise, you might as well just give Throw up. on the towel, yep. Right, yep. so you gotta think for the future in a positive way. Hope can be dangerous if it's not realistic. And yeah, and plan, right. You need to plan with hope. <laughs> yeah, you have to plan and prepare, and you have to be good to people. If you, you know, as much as you can help people, if you can, not everybody can help other people. And then the other, the message is try to help yourself if you can, you know, like make your, Make your life easier. I mean, if you can, make, make it easier. Your surroundings just by being polite, thanking people. Like these little things, they make, they're not small. They're not small. Yeah. They, they picking up a Starbucks coffee and thanking the person, nobody does, not everybody does that. It's crazy, right? It makes a difference in that person who may connect it to another person. Just putting positivity out there. It's based on individuality, not dogma, not blaming and group thinking. And it's just a shame because everybody has someone to blame today. And that's like, you know, it's- Not my fault, not, not my fault, right. It's, 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 it's a statement of lack of personal and individual responsibility. Accountability is missing. I 100% I agree with you. Talk about the relationships. Are these, what this looked like for you, February, March, April, these are strong relationships that you've built over the years. So you could have some very- Yeah honest conversations with people. We had to call some suppliers and say, be patient with us. We're dealing with an issue. And, you know, the thing is when you're good to people over many, many, many years, you find on one hand, usually who your true allies and friends are in business. Most people are associates, majority, because most individuals in business are self-interested, including corporations have interests, just like countries or anybody else. But you find that common ground and common interests and common values with people that have certain interests united, you could sort through things together. 
Um, so yeah, we had difficult conversations with several lenders and we had difficult conversations with several retailers that couldn't pay us that are publicly listed stocks yeah. that are going through the roof, which yeah. <laughs> practically still haven't paid. Won't name the names. But, and the stock market's completely disconnected from the reality of what's happening in the market. So in, in the economy, it's just, you're right. I mean, you gotta be good to people. You gotta try to put yourself in the other person's shoes and empathize with where they are and hope that by doing that, that that person is not narcissistic and has the ability to empathize and put themselves in your shoes and you could find common ground. Yeah, that is such a, a good lesson. Does that, so let's talk to so your father, that to me, what you've just described, I feel like embodes him. Like he is just truly strong values, good person. Does that come from his upbringing? You talked about yeah, his, both his- my parents, both my parents. Yeah. My, my, I come from an immigrant family, back two generations, you know, so they came here with nothing but the clothes on their back and they made something, uh, they made a dream come true in this country. And my father is the most compassionate person. He's just like my grandmother who's 91, the most compassionate person in the world. And my mother is uh, very structured and disciplined and just, we have, it's almost like my, my, my sister and I joke, we come from a mixed uh, marriage. <laughs> my dad is the creative energy. And, uh, yep. And your mom gives you structure, direction, focus, drive. And my mother will literally just cut through all the BS and go, I, I won't say what she'll say, put it that yeah. way. <laughs> oh my gosh. Interested in building a home for your audience? Our Vesta solution powers online communities, giving your consumers a home for a world of engagement and connections. To learn more, visit us at vesta-go.com. So did your dad always know he wanted to go into the toy business? I mean, you even said your business prior to this was in toys. This is your family, not family business, but this is family. It is like my, my, my great grandfather's company was one of the largest toy companies in the sixties. And when manufacturing, I may get this wrong because I was before I was born, manufacturing would move every 10 to 15 years because capital seeks the lowest cost labor. It just does. And the most efficient production. So I, I think it was my uh, father's great uncle, my, my, fa- my great uncles, my father no longer with us. They decided they wanted to open up their own factory in the Philippines when other people went to Korea. And we had this big factory in the Philippines and money went in one door and it disappeared in the back door. We had no idea what was going on. I I wasn't alive, but this is what I was told. That business was a massive licensee of Disney. They would bring, and before that, they would bring in the plush skins from Japan. We had a factory in Brooklyn and we'd stuff it and then ship it all over the country. Oh my gosh. And now there's no production of toys in the United States because no one would work for those wages for sure. But, you know, and and just going back to today's times, you know, my father is the creative energy of this business, as is my sister, I have to say. I, would, I, I don't know if I'm going to say 50-50, but they'll probably hear this, but it's, they work in the same office together, and I'm 1,200 miles away, which, God bless them both, I don't know how they do it sometimes, sharing the same space, but <laughs> they're just inc- incredibly talented. And just going back to that, and when my great-grandfather's company moved to the Philippines, when the market moved to other countries, you're kind of seeing the beginnings of that now with supply chains moving out of China. Um, China's had a monopoly for, I would say, 25 years. Um, and in certain ways, they're pricing themselves out of the market. They're becoming more expensive. And practically, their economy is also evolving internally where they don't want to work 
for these kind of, they've, they've got inflation in, in wages, which is good for them. That's the concept of capitalism. They just unfortunately need to open up to their commitments under WTO so they can really have a free flowing economy. Which, so you see factories moving to India, to Vietnam, to Indonesia, to Mexico, to Brazil, um, in the toy business. Even in Eastern Europe, uh, after the fall of the wall, you've got wooden toy factories and you have factories in Turkey too and Poland and Czech Republic. So, you know, China is not the only game in town and, and we are exploring and in fact starting many relationships in, in other countries as well. And it's good to diversify, yes? I mean, yeah, I, I tell you, after the, the two years of trade war and threats, uh, it, it was, I've got a few gray hairs from the last yeah. two years. Before COVID-19. I was like, before COVID. Have you had to pivot or is it just things slowed down? Like, was there a pivot for you? In terms of the trade? COVID, yep. In, in terms of COVID, really. Things just froze. Froze. Not even slow down, froze. Froze. I, I think for a lot of people, unless you were in the medical supply industry, the food industry. Toilet paper. <laughs> toilet paper, yeah. Um, you know, like basic essentials, they froze. Toy sales at the major retailers went through the roof because kids are, home. kids are at home. I'm trying to work. I can't keep my three kids busy, right? Those were for sales of people that had inventory in the United States, something we don't have, and um, because we just make to order. And the other thing is uh, the, the product was already on the shelves or, or on those websites that were shipping. So, you know, customers weren't looking to buy new stuff. They were just looking to turn what was working. I think a lot of retailers also were in uh, preservation mode because I think it was a shock to everybody. I haven't had a face-to-face -face meeting with a retailer since New York Toy Fair in February. Wow, and that, and that was the last event. I mean, that was it. And I'm, I remember my, the largest Italian distributor, Jackie Preziosi, came into our suite at Javits and I always shake hands and give the kiss on two cheeks. Yeah. They're, they're like, they're from Milan. No, don't touch me. There's a bad virus there. So literally, this is what was going on. It was like a, a cascade of dominoes that just went across the world. And, you know, even our Hong Kong team, the virus just popped up again there. And they don't have populism or they don't have all this stuff and they don't have any protests. And, and it just popped up again in Japan until we find a vaccine. It's not going right. away. It's, it's not going away. It's not it going doesn't, away. It, this thing, this virus doesn't discriminate against anyone. anyone. Anyone, I know that's a, the the challenging part of it. So you, so you're back to manufacturing and ordering. Are you in holiday mode? Like this is it? It's summer. You're in. I think we're looking at 2020 as like if you're looking at like a sports year. I know even though sports is not on, you know you have your exhibition season or your preseason, then your regular season, and then Christmas would be the playoffs in the toy business or any business, I guess really. Um, so we are. Uh, Basically, the rest of this year is the preseason for next year. Yeah. But we're never looking at this as a full, strong year. We're just trying to get to the other side of this thing, I think, like most companies. And we're on solid ground to get there. So, Do you hold all the toys, the great ideas, the innovations, some of the things you shared with me, do you hold them for 2021 then? Oh, we're done. Our development for 2021 is it's done. done. Yep. Uh, our develop our, our product line for 2020 is going to go into 2021. Okay, that's what I meant. Yep. Um, the 2022 line is done. The 2023 line is done. We're really? done. You're that yeah. far out. Okay. We're, and we're lucky because where other companies now are going into capital, it's hard to capex spend right now because of 
what's going on? Our, our larger competitors, how are they doing uh, mobile business or Zoom business or things like that? And how do you manage a 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 employee company remotely and be efficient? I mean, it's hard, be to efficient. Work from home. it's hard to work from home. So they have layers and layers and layers where, thank God we were small. And now we have all this stuff coming out. We've got great programs about to launch at retail and we are very lucky and very grateful people. We're That's very amazing, grateful. amazing. And, and you're seeing the e-com versus the, or, or do you not get that data from like a retailer? So e-com versus, versus in-store sales, do they? There's a massive disproportionate gain in e-commerce sales. I think some of that's settling a little bit, but it's still an increase um, because obviously seniors, it's not exactly safe to be going out. They're, they're get, they've gotten used to Instacart or Amazon and things like that, which is great. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's a problem. At least they have that service. Think of how lucky are we all are. Like, you know, if we were in some third world country and we couldn't get, like, I can't be talking to you or seeing you right now. Like, it's just amazing the innovation that's come out of this society and world. And there's understanding there's so many people in so much pain, but I don't think people realize how much worse things really could be. Oh my God, I, we have said that. Can you imagine this happening 15, 20 years ago? I mean, it just, the speed, this is what I love about the world. I'm thinking again, we're the happy marketer connection. I'm thinking positive. The speed at which we were all able to turn and change our businesses. And again, like you said, there's tons of pain and layoffs, but even those that are struggling, you still had to change and we did it quickly. We did. I just feel like, um, like we're lucky we've got technology and um, the ability to have these conversations and keep connections real. Cause it's crazy. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. So my last question, and Alice has been so great speaking with you. Do you have any stories? Like what, is there a toy that you thought you have so many, I mean, I sat and laughed with your family for hours and, and so great spending time. I can't wait till I can get back down to Florida. Left at us, not with no, us. No, with you, of course. <laughs> the dog and the plane. But Tuck, is there a toy <laughs> or a product that your team said, there's no way this is going to make it? And it does. Is there, is there a story that you can share with this audience? Because you do have this ability to make people laugh. Um, gift from your father. <laughs> I'll give you two examples. One where I thought I was going to, this is when I was on my own in 2006, or I don't know if you remember, where I thought this was going to be massive and it was a complete disaster. <laughs> and, and the second I'll say, okay, we thought it was going to be a disaster and it was massive. Oh, good. Share. <laughs> so, I can't wait. <laughs> so the first one, this is when I was on my own in 06. I don't remember. I was in Europe for about a month in 06 and everybody was talking about this character crazy frog this ringtone character and he ding 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 whatever i don't know if you remember him no no ringtone character and he sang the song he danced to the axel f song <laughs> yes axel foley he was like a blue or green frog wearing road bike glasses and a, a, a helmet and there were there's animation all over the internet with hundred even billions of views you can go on youtube right now it's crazy frog okay and i was in italy and then in the uk and i met with the intellectual property owners of it and i said i want to bring this to america and i want to sell certain categories worldwide and i invested a ton because it was selling so well in italy in spain in france 
and, and, and just being English speaking people, it was working so well in the UK. I'm not saying everything that works in the UK works here and vice versa, but usually the consumer is similar, notwithstanding accent, just like Americans. We all have different accents, but the consumer is basically the same. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. So anyway, <laughs> so I invested all this. I had radios, alarm clocks, cell phone uh, oh. that lit up. We met, we did plush toys. We did this, we did that. And I, I got on the plane and I went to Minneapolis and I met with the, the management at Best Buy. And I brought in a mascot, a six foot tall crazy frog. And we laid out all the products and I got them hooked because I showed them the data from Europe. Oh, we're going to be your launch partner. We're going to give you a six-foot section in all stores. I walked out of there with a multi-million dollar order. I, wow. Yeah, yeah. I think it took them seven years to sell the product. Oh, my God. I think they still selling it today. <laughs> I think the issue really was that I think I was about, timing is everything, I think, in life, but definitely in the fashion business. I was about 120 days too late. And you know the old saying, Americans are early adopters and we move out of something very fast. That's where we're different than every other culture on earth. We pick something up and we drop it faster. So one of the most successful brands in the toy industry over the last few years, and, and, and the guy is just brilliant over at MGA, Isaac Larian, what he did, which was so brilliant, he was changing his product, LOL Surprise, at retail. I don't know if, I don't know his strategy exactly, but buyers would tell me every 90 to 120 days, he'd have all new products. So he always kept it fresh. Yeah, yeah. The trends happen so fast. And that's proven to be immensely successful. So you learn from those lessons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing I would say, I would say that we did, I wouldn't say it would be a disaster, but we tested a, a product on, uh, on television in uh, 2016, Flipazoo. And it didn't have great data. It was okay. We, we usually put things on television to see if they have any merit, and it was okay. I mean, we, we had an order from Walmart. Walmart liked it, so they bought it, so we figured we'd do it, and we didn't know, but we kept advertising it and advertising it, and then, then the products hit the shelves, and then boom, millions and millions and millions of pieces. And it, we've been selling it for five years, so like- Wild. You don't know. I mean, it, a lot of it's gut. It really is. And you have to really be, put it this way, you have to really live on the edge and be a little bit of a lunatic to be in the business. Yeah, it's not, yeah. it's, you can go to college, you can study the theories of business and your, write your best business plan. But in this industry, no matter how much time you put in, no matter how much work you put in, no matter how confident you are, there's no guarantee that 12 months worth of work on that project <laughs> is going to make you money. Actually, the odds are you're going to lose money. Yeah. More times than not. So. Yeah. So it's a risk. It's a gamble. And you need to be resilient to take that risk because otherwise you'd say one failure, you'd be like, I'm out. I'm done. I'm not ever doing this again. I'd rather be resilient than crazy, but I think I'm a little bold. So it's <laughs> <laughs> I won't say, but you might have gotten some of this from your, from your father, who, again, I adore. Well, Alan, this has been so fun. I am going to get Stephanie. Oh, my gosh. I would love to get your father, although I probably need three hours instead of. <laughs> 20 minutes but i will tell you this sue you tell your your listeners to go to happynappers.com yes happynappers.com i won't talk about the data or the successes it's doing fairly well with kids right now all over the world and it's our biggest focus for 2020. I was just going to ask you, how do people find you? Do they go to Jay at Play? Do they go to Happy Nappers? Where's if someone wants to buy? You've got lots of listeners with kids at home right now. Where yeah. do they find you? Happynappers.com is our corporate website, which is going to go under new development. But 
We have, there's four programs we're, we've, we're launching now. One just launched uh, about 10 weeks ago, happynappers.com. jplaygod.com is our website as a company. But you're going to have a, a check out Lullabrights, which is a Walmart exclusive, which is launching at the end of this month. And then we create, which is a light up plush toy for young kids that, that plays uh, three melodies, Brahms Lullaby, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, and, and Hush Little Baby, which is just absolutely adorable. It's going to be advertised on TV. And then we have uh, Happy Nappers on TV. Then we are launching Stuffaloons, which are amazing product. It's at buystuffaloons.com. Have you ever been to a birthday party where you have make stuffed balloons? Yeah, 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 for sure. You have the world's first kids ability to make their own, very own stuffed balloon with a stuffed balloon machine called Stuff. Love it. Love it. So that's going to be launching. And the then DIY for kids is brilliant right now. Yes. We hope so. We'll find out for sure. <laughs> then we la we're launching Mushabelly, which we did that back in uh, 2007, 2006. So cute. Yeah. Fantastic. That's going to be at Target and other retailers. Uh, and that's going to be on television at mushabelly.com. And then later in the year, we're coming out with the world's first ever ba infant baby doll line where the little baby dolls save the world. They actually transform into superheroes. Oh, the I love it. Called super cute little babies. And this is going to be marketed socially and digitally and uh, probably with yourselves as well. So yeah, we have a lot so. of interesting things over at JF Player that we're very happy about. Those are our main things right now. Yeah, super exciting. I love, you know, being in your office in Florida, seeing all the product and the innovation coming out. I think this is exciting. Now people know where to find you. And now you have a little one that will actually be able to play with your toys. So that's also exciting. <laughs> my own test demographic. I hope I do a better job for she does a better job for me than I did for my father. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But Alan, this has been so fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, I wish you the best through the fall and, and the holiday season. I know we'll be in touch, but I really appreciate your time because I know how busy you are. You probably put 50 calls on hold just to talk to me today. Yeah, so no, thank you. <laughs> no problem. We appreciate you. You guys are phenomenal people to work with. You provided incredible service and we want to work with you again. You're amazing people. Thank you so much, Alan. That was truly enjoyable. And I love that you working in the toy business also helps me bring out my inner child. To hear more stories and lessons from the Happy Marketer Connection, be sure to subscribe to the Happy Marketer Connection podcast on iTunes or Spotify. To learn more about community building, our Vesta solutions deliver community-powered marketing to elevate your digital presence, deliver predictive insights, and transform your consumers into lasting brand advocates. And I welcome you to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter at Sue Freck or find us at Vesta-Go.com.